Hello, everybody. We've got a special guest here for this off-week podcast for The Thoughtful Gamer. I have, not physically with me, but through cyberspace, Matt Kwok from Mountaintop Games, who is about to release his first design on Kickstarter in just a couple of days, right? Uh, One week from today. One week from the recording, so I think by the time I post this, it'll be within a day or two, actually. It was on the 15th, right? Yep, yep, you got it. Awesome. And uh, that game is called The Primary. Uh, how are you doing today, Matt? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and especially since it's your first design. As, as a slightly aspiring game designer myself, I find it helpful and nice to talk to people who, who have recently gone through the process of their first design, because I kind of hope to do the same at least in the, in the next year or two. But tell me about the game. Tell me about the primary, how it works, and kind of the, the main mechanisms of it. Sure. So the primary is an election-themed game, but there's really no politics involved. There's no uh, negotiation or persuasion. There's not really much of that kind of meanness or nastiness that comes along with politics. And that was kind of by uh, design. You know, I found a cool theme um, looking at the primary election where... You know, in real life, states vote over the course of days or weeks, and not everyone votes at once to determine who's going to be a party's nominee. So I thought that was a really cool theme, but I wanted to make a game that reflected that without any of that nastiness or um, any sort of that debate that comes along with politics. Yeah, nice, a nice reprieve from reality there. (laughs) For sure. So the main heart of the game is played out through action cards. So every player has the same hand of cards from which they'll choose four cards each round. And they'll play them face down in a left to right order that they want them to be executed. So there's a little bit of foresight and planning that's going on, trying to predict what your opponents are going to do, but still have enough flexibility in the cards that you play to try and react. So you're using these cards, you're taking your actions, and the main goal is to move around between different regions of the United States that hold votes across the 11 different rounds of the game. And you want to gain influence, you want to move around and kind of deploy your influence in the different regions. Then when it's uh, time for a region to vote, if you have the most influence in that region, you win the vote and gain delegates. So the player or the candidate with the most delegates at the end of the game wins and then becomes their party's nominee for president. So it's kind of like an area control game. Yeah, I would say um, area control with action programming. Everyone's doing their actions simultaneously, so there's a little bit of that. Those are probably the main mechanics behind the game. Yeah, so it's kind of like Dungeon Lords, right? Everyone kind of puts face down what they want their actions to be, and that part's revealed simultaneously? So you're playing your cards face down simultaneously, and then you're revealing them in turn order. So I'll flip my first card if I'm first player, and then I'll execute that action. And then second player will do the same, and then third player will flip over their first action card and execute his action. And you kind of go around the table uh, four times until everyone's flipped over and executed all their cards. Mm -hmm. So there's still some flexibility there where, say you were planning to go to Texas and win the vote that round, but somebody right before you went there, so you might change your plans a little bit. Um, there's not as many of those aw shucks moments where your whole plan is entirely ruined and all your cards are wasted. Um, it's a little bit more forgiving. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but in that sense, it's easy. It's it's a little bit of an advantage to be going later in the turn order because you can see, you can react to what other people have done ahead of you. Definitely, going last in the round is is helpful. Um, but you know, the first player always moves around, so over the course of the game, it's it's pretty much even. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through the rules earlier, and it looks like, uh, as you said, just in real life, where you know not all the elections happen at the same time, the different regions will vote and in, in essentially score at different points throughout the game, correct? Right. So there's um, 14 different regions, and the game plays uh, over the course of 11 rounds. So there's some rounds where no votes will happen, and then other rounds where there might be two or even three regions voting. Okay, and interesting. How that's set up is there's uh, small tokens that are numbered. So when you're setting up the game, you can kind of set it up randomly. You can set it up in a certain order to kind of shape a specific like uh, setup that you want. But each time you play could be different. And you could have California always vote first, or you could just randomize it and see how it how it shakes out. Okay, and that's ava- that's visible to all the players from the beginning of the game. That everyone will know in what order everything's going to happen that session. Right, right. Awesome. Uh, what was the inspiration from this? It was it just you were thinking about political themes, and you think, well, I've never seen a game about the primary elections. Or was it was there some other impetus for this this design? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely um, inspired by the last election cycle and got a little bit more into politics, started following the news a little bit more closely. And then, you know, I I haven't played a ton of politically themed games, but when I started thinking about the primary process, it just kind of dawned on me. You know, this part about the states voting at different points in time seems really intriguing. And I kind of searched around. I went on BoardGameGeek and saw that, you know, more or less everything that I could find just was based on, you know, one candidate versus another, Democrat versus Republican, for the final election. There wasn't anything really regarding the primary election. So I thought you know, I could fill a niche, you know, make an interesting game um, based off of that and just kind of how it started. Oh, that's cool. I have to ask because I'm a little bit, I'm kind of a political nerd in some <laughs> ways. Is there anything in the game dealing with the bizarre nature of caucuses? Um... So the only thing that could be maybe even close to that, each region is worth a certain number of delegates. Some regions, you know, award all their delegates to the winner. Some regions award delegates to the first and the second place uh, winners. So there's kind of like a proportional thing going on there. But nothing really truly reflects a caucus um, or that sort of process in the primary. I had to ask because I, I think... For people outside the United States, when they hear about the primary elections, weird enough. But when you get to the states with the caucuses, that's always bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I, I should see if I can work it into like a news card um, and try and bring out that theme a little bit. There we go. First expansion idea, the primary colon caucuses. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> any, any particular games, other games that you enjoy that inspired the design? Oh boy, I'm actually fairly new to kind of the hobby gaming scene, if you will. Probably just like two years ago or so, I I moved back to Madison and then um, reconnected with some old roommates from college and we, they sort of introduced me back into board gaming, you know, 
back from my days of Monopoly and Risk. Sure. I kind of fell in love and decided, you know, why not try designing a game myself? So I'm still fairly new. Uh, you know, I haven't played as many games as probably a lot of designers or avid board game players. And and I started this about a year ago. Um, so, you know, at the time, you know, I wasn't terribly well-versed in everything that's out there. So I probably just drew inspiration from games that I was playing at the time and enjoyed. And I think maybe a byproduct of that is, you know, the game I wanted to be a little bit lighter, a little bit more accessible to, to people newer to the hobby. So that probably also mirrors the games that I was playing at the time. Oh, yeah, that's great. And, and especially uh, as your first production, because you're, you're publishing the game as well, as well as, you know, you're doing the whole thing, right? I'm going to try, yeah. From start to finish, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine it's, even though I'm sure it's stressful as your first time doing it, I can't imagine publishing a game. Having a lighter design in something a little bit, you know, without a million pieces or something, is probably makes the whole process that much easier relatively. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In, in hindsight, I probably some, should have done like a micro game or something with only cards, but hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> Oh, but it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. To me, at least from reading through the rules and looking overall at the game, it looks like it's trying to be accessible to both kind of, like you said, people who are brand new to the hobby or families, as well as borrowing a lot of mechanisms from established designs, like like a strict area control kind of game, just on the lighter scale. Was that kind of your goal to to kind of capture both of those audiences with the game? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I had realized that on day one, but, you know, as I kind of went through the process and began shaping the game, it was kind of becoming a lighter game, something that's in between somebody who's brand new or somebody who's, you know, played a few games um, that are a little bit heavier. And I wanted to keep it, you know, definitely accessible, but still have enough depth to it where you can make some interesting choices. People who are really into board games would still enjoy playing it. And maybe somebody who's just into politics but happens to stumble across it, you know, it could be something that they could you know, pick up and learn pretty easily. And it's always interesting. I've, I've spoken with some other designers uh, on this podcast before, and something I always hear is that there was that that the game they ended up making was never never exactly the game that they started out to make. And and it's the same thing I've heard in in film. I don't remember what director says it, but someone like Hitchcock or something said that. There's two movies, the movie you set out to make and then the movie you end up making while you're trying to make that first movie. Is it, <laughs> did, it, did it feel like that in the design process for this game? Parts of it definitely did. Sometimes it kind of felt like the game had a mind of its own and it was becoming sort of what it wanted to be or what it naturally should be, you know, just based on a lot of playtesting feedback and finding ideas that didn't work and finding new ideas that fit really well and definitely some surprises along the way. But yeah, I would say that's definitely true of the game design process where you kind of have an idea at the beginning, but it can take a course of its own, definitely. Yeah, that that, that really fascinates me. I was looking through kind of a few of the designer diaries you posted on, on your website, and it looks like the, you put this game through a number of rounds of playtesting and iterated based on that. How was that experience? It was uh, very eye-opening, uh, a very good learning experience. You know, I think starting off, I didn't really know what playtesting meant. You know, I was just kind of trying to play a game. And early on, it, it became something that I thought was fun. And a couple of my friends also thought was fun. So um, it was easy to just play the game and not really 
play test. So it was a, a definitely a learning experience in that sense. I also you know tried for the first time, obviously, with like blind and remote play testing, which itself you know is a challenge and a, an interesting experience trying to get people to print out and play your game or mail somebody a copy of your game and get them to uh, give you feedback. So definitely a lot to be learned just about playtesting and then let alone the feedback you get from it to help uh, improve your game. What was what was one of the biggest challenges in that in or something that you didn't expect coming out of the playtesting that, that changed the game? I would say one of the challenges, and it's probably just me being naive, but... Um, you know, at first I was getting a lot of good response to like my seeking out and trying to find people to play test remotely. Um, you know, I put stuff out on social media and people would sign up and, you know, I get them onto this uh, email list and, and send them the print and play and send them some components if they didn't have enough components. But in the end, the the percentage of people that go through that whole process and then actually give you feedback turned out to be pretty low. So I think I really got my hopes up and I was getting excited. And, you know, people are very busy. It's hard enough for me to find time to play test my own game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was something that was definitely challenging. But often you get your best feedback from those blind or remote play tests. So it's uh, just part of the process, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, well... Let me just ask, what are your favorite games right now? What other what games are you playing other than uh, the primary uh, and enjoying right now? So like I mentioned, I'm kind of behind in playing all the all the cool games out there. So I'm recently I've gotten into Viticulture. Um, I know that was a big one a while back, but I really enjoy it. One of the first games that I kind of got into was Dead of Winter, and I still really like that one. I play games a lot with my girlfriend, so I've tried to find you know, two-player only games or games that fit really well with two players. So I recently really enjoy the Caverna Cave versus Cave oh, when nice. playing with her. So those are probably a few of my favorites right now. And then I've got a whole shelf of games that are waiting to be played that I need to get to also. Yeah, I know that feeling. Oh, I, I love Viticulture too. That's such a great, great game. I too got into it later. I didn't get on the initial hype. I'm 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 pretty bad about that as someone who reviews games, but <laughs> I don't care. I I don't let it bother me. Any other game designs you have in progress right now or ideas that you're working on? Or are you 100% working on the primary right now? Yeah, it's definitely kind of come and gone where I'll have bursts of motivation and excitement and then kind of fall into a lull where I get burnt out with the primary. So I, I have a few other designs that are kind of on the back burner right now. And I, I really wanted to kind of just draw a line in the sand and say, hey, you know, I, I want to get this out there. I want to launch it on Kickstarter. I want to try and publish it myself. So I set a date and I've been more or less, you know, committed and focused on the primary. Sometimes though, I just get an idea and I, I can't get it out of my mind. Um, so it takes a day or two and I've got to write everything down and and save it for later, um, and then eventually I'll kind of get off that and, and ready to get back to work. Great, great. Well, good luck on the primary. When is it launching on Kickstarter? The 15th? March 15th, yep. 15th. So by the time I post this, that'll be tomorrow, I believe. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. What's the price point going to be? It's $35, and then depending on your uh, country where you live, it'll add shipping. All right, so so. F- Pretty inexpensive for uh, for a Kickstarter game. 
Yeah, I was hoping to, to help entice people in for a, a first-time designer and publisher. Hopefully not too much of a barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. When we when we see, you know, was it the new Batman games, like $320 coming out, it seems like price inflation has happened on, on Kickstarter, especially all the games with miniatures. It's nice to see a nice light Euro game out there amongst the miniature bonanzas. <laughs> So be on the lookout for that starting tomorrow, the primary. Any final words for people who are considering backing the game? I know the, the theme can be um, a love-hate thing and turn some people off, but um, I, I feel like it's a really fun game. I've tried to get it out to a number of reviewers who seem to agree with me. So um, if you're on the fence, just make sure to check out the reviews. There's a print and play. Try and print it out for yourself, and if you like it, uh, feel free to back yeah, and, I, and, the, and the rules are already posted on the website, mountaintop.games. And uh, for those who are worried about the theme, let it be known that I fully endorse any game with any kind of politics. I think there should be more games out there with a political theme, but maybe that's just <laughs> me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the podcast, and good luck with the Kickstarter. I wish you all the best of luck. And hopefully it, get funds, it gets funded really quickly so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a blast being on here. Fantastic. And I'll put the link to the website, mountaintop.games, below so you, you don't forget about that. And I'll try to post the link to the Kickstarter once that goes live as well. Uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. And I'll talk to you all again later. Bye. Bye.